Hey now. You're a rock star. Get your show on. I'm trying to do a fucking intro, ladies. <laughs> Get right. paid. Just stifle your happiness for a moment and just let me do my sincere, <laughs> somber service of a Hurry intro. the fuck up, Tom. Mod Rats. I'm not here for episode it. Episode 17. Hope everyone's well. We all survived the rains. I survived the women's march. I bless the rains down right. in Africa. And these women are just too fucking happy for me. I'm annoyed. <laughs> to my right is my fearless leader and co-host and most importantly, the star child or star mother of Lulu Lemon Star. Lulu Lemon Star. Julia Lamar. And as always, Mission Control and a slightly Ooh. happier, more feminine, dare I say, <laughs> still glowing. <laughs> These are such weird intros. Produ- I love it. I'm like, producer extraordinaire. Although I do love, what was the first one you gave me? More Just feminine? now? Yeah. You're glowing. Some, no, something about mission control. Yes. Oh. Back to alpha female mode. <laughs> Can't soften We're her drinking up at again. All. <laughs> well, we know Shella. We really need someone to sponsor our that I've that tried. does wine. We I work tried. in we work in we yeah. work in media. You know. Today we are doing what? Uh, our favorite Velvet thing. Moon. Yeah. Okay, tell us about the wine. Um, Who brought the, the wine? velvet wine is from my favorite wine place, Trader Joe's. Awesome. If you're not a Californian, you maybe don't know what Trader Joe's is, and you're missing out, kind that of like sucks. in and out. Yes, um, kind of like anywhere else mm. in the country that's not California. I mean, I mean, I mean, my <laughs> Juliet nails it once again. Yeah, we're drinking some Cab Sav left over from the Cam Suave. So, oh, so boom. Okay, nailed it. Boom. Um, it's a cap soft, so it's, it's, it's very velvety on the mouth. Mm, um, it's got mm, a really mm. nice, deep, rich red color. And I feel like it's fruit forward <sighs> on the nose. Mm. Yeah. It's and so just like an adult, today I'm pairing it with um, goldfish and popcorn. Oh, my God. Chill. Yeah. I was just talking about... Um, <laughs> Your I eat cheat super, meal? Your cheat meal? No, I eat super healthy. And then as soon as I don't eat healthy, I'm like breaking out or I'm tired or, you know, anything like that because I eat so healthy and then... That's why you should just be unhealthy like me I know, and eat shit all, all the, the time. time. And then I'd be fine, right? And no, then you, like, feel, ridiculous. like, marginally meh all the time and it's fine. It's fine. You'll never know how actually you feel good and I would just be used <laughs> to feeling like shit. It's funny. But I don't eat that healthy. I do eat a very large amount of chocolate. Tom, aren't you a health nut, too? Don't I you eat super healthy? Be, right now I'm an emotional eater. Oh, amongst, I feel that so hard. Amongst, amongst other things. But I will say that what I sense from you is the food prep. Oh, okay. the energy you do food behind prep? it. Well, I may have to I, cook. I missed the lunch. Oh. I missed the lunch. Yeah, sleepy sleep. That, but I, yeah, I missed the lunch was, on yesterday. I was, I was tranquilized like a small baby moose. Because you haven't been sleeping. I sent well. you guys that thing. Their moose are attacking other people. Okay, it's not just me. Gosh, you started something. Okay. Tom, tell us what happened yesterday. Well, I just wanted to finish on when I make food, even mm. when I go to a pizzeria and make a pizza for myself, there's something about preparing food, even if it's not vegan, tofu, whatever. Mm-hmm. Making food for yourself and the ritual and the process of I'm about to feed myself 
can make food healthier, in my opinion. I've noticed that I don't like doing things for myself. I don't but either, like, but I, I have to I only do cook. things like if I have a boss, then I'll wake up and do a nine right. to five. Right. Or if I have, you know, even if it's my neighbor, I'll invite my neighbor Missy over and then I'll like actually cook for us. Yeah. Other than that, I just won't do right. it. I don't know why I hate myself so much, but. Huh. I have a hard time doing things for myself as well. But when it comes to cooking, I am doing it for other people. Like my parents live with mm-hmm. me and, your and husband, my husband, and, yeah. he's not always there for it. And he can like, I'm like, shut up and eat the food. It's delicious. Mm. He has things to say about it. My parents are like, this is great. And they're not pulling my leg. Dan's just a jerk sometimes. Um, mm. But um, yeah, I'm cooking for everyone. So I want, I'm like thinking about what's going to go into it and thinking about how everyone's going to be healthy and how being healthy is going to save me a lot of headaches later. And I'm like, not just doing it like, oh, the love of food. I wish I was. I'm doing it because I'm like, all right, I'm going to avoid health problems. I'm going to get everyone yeah, to but eat. But that consciousness is... Oh, yeah. It, tra- cooked with love is a love. thing. It's cooked love. with love is definitely is definitely right? a thing. I forgot another thing. Or are you cooking I out of pants. fear? Um, am I cooking out of fear that I'm maybe don't go hungry? You're like, I better eat healthy or I'll die. Um, I don't want like wrinkles. So eating more greens is like less wrinkles, I think. Okay. But Tom, you'll cook for yourself. or I cook you... for myself too. I'll sit there and be like, I'm going to prep. Oh, yeah. Salads. I love making salads. I love eating salad. So I will think of creative ways to make salad all the time. I feel I, I, I'm just an energy. I'm not So I feel like even if I'm eating unhealthy, like going to the store and getting skinny cow ice cream <laughs> sandwiches, the ritual of it, I feel like just brings up the frequency and the value of the food. Maybe not nutritionally, but energetically, mm. as opposed to, oh, Fuck, it's 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I haven't eaten I'm gonna, all day. I'm going to order a burrito. Yeah, that's you know? Dan. And that's that to me is more dead than the liveliness of preparing it for yourself. Ideally preparing yeah. food for yourself. Yeah, I would love to be there. I love making eggs for myself. Um, I actually feel like I make really good eggs, but I got schooled by my uh, roommate who's this oh. real deal sous chef. So mm-hmm. I'm, always, oh, well, then, I'm yeah. always learning. I'm like, oh, it's not in my corner of pizza and sauces and stuff. But there's a whole ritual to like pan heat and mm-hmm. basically you don't want the eggs to bubble at all. So they were all laughing at me. I'm like, oh, here's my eggs. And I'm just like, what are you doing? So huh. I got schooled. And it was over, but no it's, it's letting the Irish butter melt, putting it in certain different parts of the pan. It's science. I mean, no, it's just throw science. the fucking uh, eggs in the pan. Oh, my now, God. You got to make this so complicated. I love what you talk about the ritual with, uh, with like going and getting the food. So Dan and I don't do this a lot anymore because we're both so fucking busy it's ridiculous like we were talking he called me on his way home today from teaching at ucla and i was like oh dan's calling me and i was like i haven't spoken to him in three days and we live together like we sleep in the same bed anyway we're so we're so busy we don't see each other but um we used to for like 10 years we go to the grocery store together it was so much fun we'd go and pick out stuff Mm -hmm. we were constantly dancing because Trader Joe's has great music and uh, and just being silly in the grocery store. And that was like not our ritual, but it just happened every time we went. It wasn't on purpose. Uh, but yeah, in the Trader Joe's staff, I was like, you guys are always dancing. We literally would dance the entire time. We'd get the shopping cart and we dance and we throw things at each other. And like we were like making a scene, not on purpose. <laughs> it was just they had great music and us being together. Like we're getting food was so much fun. Right. For like years. And, and even, now I have, don't remember the last time we went grocery shopping. You together. even said like, you know, when you guys just hit the road, you guys know how to entertain each other. When you have a oh, long yeah, time, yeah. it's so joyous, you know? Yeah, it's weird because when I don't see him, I'm like, the fuck is this guy? All these bad things. And we get together, I'm like, oh my God, you're so great. <laughs> yeah, and, and back to yeah. you. I don't know how you do long distance relationships. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm not dating anyone. They're not, I can't see them. <laughs> At this point, I don't fucking know either. <laughs> You almost always have long distance relationships. No, both my serious relationship. I just I don't know if it's a serious yet, but my serious relationship. 
Okay, fine. I see Julia. Last time eyeing. you said, I might marry this man, but it's not serious. It's not, it's not serious. That was the weed. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, both of my serious relationships, I've had two, and they've both been at least started long distance. Hmm. Yeah. Well, hold, hold on. How, so, how do you do a long distance relationship? Tell people who you are. I mean, none of us mean? have traditional jobs. I've uh, never had yeah, an old job. Oh, yeah, we job. were segueing into something. That yeah. I'm real. trying to. I, there that goes, was a great segue. There, yeah. Um, thanks for going. And here's foreplay. <laughs> and here's this. And here, like, Label them. This the one's red. This one's gone. green. Whatever was seamless, you just. You're welcome. Fucking smashed it with a hammer. Opa! You're welcome. My toxic yeah. masculinity cannot be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, we were we were you, Juliet and me were talking the other day um, when you missed lunch, and uh, we were talking about how like what time do you wake up? Like mm-hmm. what do you do during the day? Because we're both freelance host journalists, and. I have this little inner child inside of me that says, because we don't, I don't have a nine to five. I don't owe anyone anything. I don't have to be up at 9 a.m. This little inner child will wake up at like 10 and be like, mm, I don't want to get out of bed. Go back to sleep. It's cold. And so I will. <laughs> but Juliet like is up at like 7 or 7.30, like doing artistic stuff. But like, so I love the freedom because it means I get to travel and still work from, you yeah. know, kind of depending on the job, wherever. Um, there are a few jobs that uh, local news you can't yeah. do local news from Arizona when you do yeah anyway covering a story in LA but yeah that whole what like what motivates you to get up and pursue your life in the morning Juliet me well I was just gonna say it, it like we have such a different do you like perspective. how she deflected no she didn't deflect she kind of I, I mean I'm I'm, I'm, I'm just bouncing it back I like how you talked said like oh my inner child wants me to stay in bed and it's cool that I have the freedom to do that mm-hmm. and that you don't owe anyone anything and that's and you know, freelance really fits you in that way because you get to pick and choose what jobs you do. It's mm-hmm. stressful, of course, for all the reasons, but um, I, that stuck to me. And as soon as you said, I don't owe anyone anything, my very first thought when you said that was, I owe myself everything. Oh, see, you're so different. <laughs> and it's so funny because I love that we're so different. Mm-hmm. We're in a very similar work environment. You're like a little more news. I'm a little more entertainment. But I was like, I owe myself everything was my first thought. And it's, that's why that's I get up That's how we should feel. Wait, unpack that. Unpack that. I know. I'm about what to. Is that? What, well, I'm about to. So I wake up. I I'm try totally to wake useless. up at 7.30. You're not useless. You segued us. <laughs> um, I usually wake up. I mean, I don't wake up every day at 7.30. Sometimes I sleep till 8.30, and I feel like I should have gotten up earlier. Um, but, yeah, I try to get up early at 7.30 so I can, like, go <coughs> work out. I know. gotten up earlier. Mm-hmm. I also just, like, can't sleep, so I'm usually awake anyway. Just, like, you should sleep more. It's good for you. <laughs> okay, no, fuck it. We gotta go. <laughs> See, I will lay in bed and scroll on my Facebook for hours. Oh, I would like punch myself in the face if I did that because I'd be like, why are you still in bed? You're the worst. Yeah, uh, I do so, that yeah. too. <laughs> I get up and I'll like go check my list of things to do that I need to get done. And I try to really organize my life of like, all right, am I feeling creative right now? Yes or no? Yes? Okay. I need to go paint for two hours. Okay. Am I feeling creative? Yes or no? Okay. I'm going to go edit for three hours or I'm going to go work on my screenplay or I'm going to go work on my, I'm doing a short film right now. I have to go work on that. Um, I always have so much to do. Like I never, I've never felt in the last four years that I've had a time where I'm like, oh, I have nothing to do. Maybe I should go for a stroll. No, there's been nothing of that. It's always like, okay, either my mom needs me to do something for her, like whatever's happening there. Dan needs something. The house needs something. My dog needs something. I need all the things, like just my own projects. Like I said, like the screenplays and the, oh, now I need to look for a new job because we work freelance. Like, I need another job before this one ends. Before, but I have to finish mm-hmm. this one. And I have to scroll for this one. 
Um, so yeah, I just I feel like if I don't get a whole 12 hours of work in, that I've disappointed myself. But that comes back to gymnastics. I was never in competition with anyone else. I was not like, oh, mm. I need to get a better score than like Becca. Wait, I, hold on. Hold I would on. just be like, oh, I need to get a better score than me last time. All right, hold on. So you guys both are all over the place, career-wise, not now. Yeah, so, yeah. LA, man, the gig economy, we're all so, fucked. <laughs> well, yeah. So Sometimes you like yes to get no. fucked. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to harken back, ching, ching. like with, with Charles, when was the last time you had structure in your life? Mm. Oh, <laughs> not tonight. Um, that's a good question because... My, and I've asked my mom this question before because I had an abusive dad, have an abusive dad. Um, and my mom, and I'm great. I'm glad, like, I'm grateful that I've had these conversations with her and I'm not still mad at her for her choices because, you know, abusive relationships and we always blame the women and why did you stay? You had kids to take care of. Um, she's explained to me that she felt that whether she stayed or left my dad because he was always in and out of a job and then he got leukemia and has had it for 11 years now. So there was like never a good time to leave him. And so because she couldn't leave him because she thought he would end up being homeless and then he would come to the kids Mm -hmm. for money and for whatever. And so she would just support him so that we wouldn't have to worry about him. She also knew that he was going to affect our lives and our childhoods. And so she didn't give us chores. She Mm. was like, you have a shit dad. I'm going to let you out of the house as often as I can and like not give you any responsibilities, which is crazy because my mom is a preschool teacher and she knows she's got like 40 years of experience with childhood psychology. And so to not give your child chores, like I never learned self-discipline and organization. I'm real good at producing. Like if you give me a nine to five job and you tell me when to show up, I'll be five minutes late, but I'll always stay late. (laughs) And like, yeah, I, I, I developed this like rage against the machine. Like I don't owe you anything thing to survive my childhood is what I learned learned in therapy today. Thank you, Dr. Grazier. Um, and so it obviously no longer serves me, but you, also kind of have a similar schedule because you own a pizzeria and you like have managers that are managing them. So what do you do with your time? Like, how does that work for you? Chella, we are so opposite and I'll come back. We so are. I was thinking about my childhood and I was like, "Mm -mm." yeah, tell us about your life. Well, well, hold on. Hold on. So that was the last, so you never had structure college. I mean, because you said you'll show up and you'll produce. If you know what's expected of you, mm-hmm. you'll show up. Yeah, I have a degree. Late, I got good grades in college. Like, you know. But you're not self. It's like, yeah. It's definitely a struggle from high school to college to, like, right. figure out how to manage myself. Because right. Oh, my yeah. college is so easy. I loved it. Oh, I'm so jealous. And then, I'm just so man. different. I just have so theories. Different. I just have my theories. Yeah. And, what are your uh, theories? Yeah, what are your theories? Well. Is it because they're similar to yours? Well, no, I. Oh. Well, there are a lot of similarities, absolutely, and I, I, I want to speak to those. But I also wanted to tie in. You were a professional, not professional, but champion gymnastics. Yeah, it was so funny. You're so talk- your so highest talk- achievements were. I'm good at everything. Okay. <laughs> well, no, this is a problem. Uh, it's yeah, I I know because right now I'm like, damn it, I'm not, I'm good at a lot of things, but in LA you get swallowed by the thing. But I was going to go back to my childhood. So my childhood was similar. My, not in the fact, okay, it was only similar in one way, very different childhoods. My parents are fantastic. They were so supportive. You know, I'm an only child. They nice. were there for me. It must be nice. It was <laughs> nice. It was great. But no structure. Oh. Zero structure. Except they were gymnastics. Like, 
they were like, do whatever you want. They didn't want me to do gymnastics. They were like, you know, which I was in like ballet, karate, art. You know, I was in like 20 things. And finally, my dad was like, you got to pick one. <laughs> this is just too much stuff. So I picked gymnastics and Girl Scouts um, and dance. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I didn't have any structure. I didn't have a bedtime. I was homeschooled. Mm-hmm. So, Same. you know, I could do school whenever I wanted to. I didn't have stuff. a curfew. I never had a curfew. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no structure. My parents like didn't tell me to do chores. I had no chores. Yep. Um, but I literally assigned myself things. I my- too. I used to. <laughs> yeah, I gave myself a bedtime. I gave myself chores. I was like, Dad, don't worry. I'm doing this. And he's like, Okay, you don't have to. And I was like, I know, but I want to. So I would yeah. do all those things, and I self structured everything. And then for home study, um, I wasn't unschooled. I was homeschooled. So I just had a accredited program that my parents got through Home Study International, which is a lot like college. They send you a syllabus, you take uh, midterm and final, and you send in assignments, but you can do it at your own pace. And so my parents were there to help me because they both were teachers and they could help me with all the stuff. But when I got to college, I was like, this is just like home study. I have a syllabus and I have a time limit mm. and I've got t- classes. So I was like, yes, college is so much better. There's so much wasted time in high school. I just remember sitting in class being like, why are we wasting this time? Group projects are so stupid. <laughs> Although now I get I get it, group projects, because you can work in the workforce with people. <laughs> I understand, but like, um, So yeah, anyway, but also gymnastics. That got into gymnastics. But I always worked over all my all the people I worked out with. If my coach said do 10, I did 15. Mm. Every time. If my, if my coach said, you know, practice starts at 6, I would be there, you know, 30 minutes early doing extra work, like right. extra stretching, extra. And I do not know why I'm that person. I just am going to thoroughly do things. I mean, I can – I. I did a similar thing and I still do that thing. Like when I go home and my mom's garage is broken or she needs a Christmas tree or she, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm the person that does that. Not my brothers. Fucking me. <laughs> my brothers are useless. They don't, they never learn. But what I learned in not and having. Where are they in birth order? Are they older, younger? They're, one is four years older. One is nine years older. Okay. And you're the youngest. See? Yeah. And only female. And here I am like fixing my mom's lights on her car and like, ugh, anyway. But so what I learned growing up was in not having, you know, my own chores that I was going to help people with theirs and that like I get joy out of like doing things for others. So when it comes to my goals and my dreams, I'm like, like I get I want to like help people and be famous, but like, nah, if it doesn't pay the rent, I don't care. (laughs) That's all that matters to me. I'd be like, I could be dead broke, but if people remember me and I've changed people's lives, that's what I want in life. I mean, same, but, like, <laughs> I also don't want to be living on the streets. I don't want to be living on the streets either, and, and I've definitely been fortunate enough, like, Dan makes uh, too much money, and so that's, you know, for me, that's more of a reality, to be able to say, I'm just going to affect people's lives, so mm. that's also coming from a place of privilege. This makes sense. Yeah. Where can I get a Dan? Just kidding. I know a lot of Googlers, they're kind of oh weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're kind of weird, though. I mean, you have to meet Dan. He's kind of weird. So, Tom, what are you getting from all this? He's like, you guys are fucked. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Just... You were saying that you have, like, um, theories. I definitely have theories. I want to hear your theories. Yeah. Well, I'm listening more because I'm getting more more ideas, you know, more threads of what's going on. Um, I want to know what your day looks like. Right now I'm in hell, guys, so it's, like, not a, a good competitive matrix, like my ability to be productive and... Um, function my functionality is completely on a tightrope right now so i always revisit the nostalgia Mm -hmm. and i sit and go 
what's your fucking excuse? And I go to you, what's your fucking excuse? I don't have one. What world do you guys live in? I don't have an excuse. Clinical depression. I don't have an excuse. I just do. That's my excuse. You do too much or you're doing too little, right? If the, if or doing the wrong thing. I don't know if there ever is a wrong thing. We're always doing the wrong thing. It's like, wait, if I go down this ladder, is it going to get me there? Like, maybe that's the wrong way. You Which know? way? Which <laughs> way, LA? There's no career See, ladder had, for me to follow. I had so much fear in my life from my trauma mm. that I just... I Froze. I ha- yeah, but mm-hmm. I also had focus. Like, I didn't have distraction. I didn't have anyone blowing up <clears> my <throat> shit. I didn't have to answer to anyone. Right. But I had to pay my own way. There was right. no meal ticket. There was a roof over my head. And like, I I mean, yeah, I very briefly, I, I could have went to good schools. I was definitely a good athlete. And then I was like not mature enough to buckle down. My brothers went to do Harvard and Brandeis, like great schools. So I was like, oh, where am I going to go? Scholarships, this and that. And I just didn't show up. So I ran away, lived in a Volkswagen bus. Grew my hair down in my fucking middle of my back, smoked a shit ton of weed, worked for a rape crisis center, worked for Greenpeace, volunteered, do the whole I want to save the world, I want to have memories over money, and then all of a sudden I was starving. My girlfriend at the time left my broke ass, mm. and I was like, no one's going to help me, and I went back home with my tail in between my legs, 130 pounds. How old were you at this uh, point? I was 19. And how old were you when you ran away? Uh, I was like... Like eighteen, it was a so a year. year. Yeah, when I should have showed up and did the whole school thing. Oh, years a year. Went home. Yeah, it was a long time. But I mean, I had a lot of beautiful, powerful moments. Mm-hmm. But I ultimately failed to be able to provide for myself, and I was like, I'm never going to do that. So well, my, what eighteen year old can provide for themselves? A lot. But continue. A wow. Lot. Well, yeah. No. A lot. I mean, yeah, I lost my scholarship uh, to, for gymnastics when I was in college. Yeah. And then I had to pay my one way because my parents were like, um, this was the plan. We didn't save anything. So we put it all into gymnastics and you got a scholarship and that was it. And I had to pay my own way. That sucked. I was Why so did you lose that? broke. So, uh, yeah, my coach was so mad about it. The NCAA in Division One sports, you're not allowed to pass fail. So um, all these football players and probably not just football, but mostly football, were getting scholarships and they were actually failing all their classes in high school. They're not good students. But because they were such good athletes, Division One schools wanted them, so teachers would pass, fail, pass, fail, pass, fail. The year that I went to college, that rule, they, they stopped letting students pass, fail classes. You had to take the whole class and everything. So when I was in gymnastics... Wait, what does pass, fail mean? It just means you, ha- you can test out and the teacher will give you a pass, fail, but you could get like, you know, the lowest grade ever and it's kind of up to the teacher... If they pass or fail you. So you can take one test? Mm-hmm. Okay. And because gymnastics is a really intense sport that sometimes you're training six hours a day. So you, you like mm-hmm. when I went to high school, I was homeschooled for two classes, but I went to like three or four classes at school. Um, I did not want to take junior English. I was like, fuck that. I, like, take me, I'll take the test. So I took the test, but I didn't pass fail. I got like an 80 something because I just had to read the books and then but you know, the But she then test. just passed you. Uh, I still got a grade, oh. but because NC Division One schools they don't want to give anyone preference for anything they're like this is a pass fail i said no i got a grade i provide the test everything i was in school on the team for like two months or something and my coach calls me and says hey can you tell me a little bit more about this grade and i said yeah i got a b like i didn't pass fail because i knew it i knew you couldn't pass fail but i just wanted to test out of that class so i did 
And it was seen the same way in the eyes of NCAA Division I. So everything I'd worked hard for my entire life, everything my parents had bet on for me to go to college, everything was gone. And I was not allowed to set foot in the gym. I couldn't um, be at any team functions. What? Yeah. Why? Because I was no longer NCAA Division I athlete. Your persona non grata. Mm-hmm. And my coach fought for it because I was really good um, at bars and beam. And they kind of needed me on the team for those two things. And she'd expected me to be on the team for those things. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, she recruited you. She for recruited it. me for those things. So, yeah, I pretty much lost everything in one day that I'd worked my whole life for. And that sucks. Yeah, it really sucked. And my parents were like, we're here for you and everything. Wait, but, so like, did you we have didn't to plan leave? for this. Did you have to leave the team? I wasn't allowed to be anywhere in the for team. For the rest of your life. Uh, yeah, they, they, I could redshirt or whatever they thought about, but then I wasn't allowed to do that. So I could have gone back and taken the English. Like, we tried all these different things, right? I was like, I'll take junior high school English again. Yeah. I don't care. Like, all I want to do is compete in college gymnastics. Like, that's what I've worked for for every, forever. And um, they were like, nope, you can't do it. So that ended so your career. That ended my career. I could have come back maybe my sophomore year, but you can't take a year off of gymnastics. You can't take a week off of gymnastics. Right. Like, it's just not one of those sports that you can bounce back into um, very easily. Right. And, uh, yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. And I Holy just, shit. That was my probably my first extremely traumatizing moment in my life where I'm like, oh my God, every single thing I've worked for has just disappeared and I might not be able to go to college. I might not, because I can't afford out-of-state tuition, you know, because I was coming from California. And uh, yeah, it was pretty crappy. And then my parents said, hey, you know, like I said earlier is, um, you know, we spent all of our money for you on gymnastics because you were so good and you were going to get a scholarship. It was never a question. We didn't save any money for college. Right. And, uh, yeah, so then I had to get a job really quickly. <laughs> and then I got another job, another job. I had three jobs. And, yeah, totally changed my whole path. But I think it was ultimately a really good thing. That same year, I also, like, my boyfriend went to jail. I broke my foot. I got pneumonia. And I got kicked off the gymnastics team. And it was my first month in college okay. all at the same time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Tom, I do want to continue. But your boyfriend went to jail? Yeah, he'll have to tell you about it. No, you have to tell me about it. <laughs> You've got to at least it's give me a story. hint. You can't just say that. It's his story. Uh, I met I met Dan and he was on bail. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> Is he at least cleaned up now? Yeah, I don't think it wasn't like his. He legit went to jail. Yeah, drugs, maybe prostitution. He's a, he's such a good boy. No, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. Uh, yeah, it was drugs, marijuana, a lot of drugs. Okay. <laughs> When he's on, you can ask him all about it if he opens kind of up like, about it. Kind of like Tom's, was he living out of a van with a 130-pound girlfriend? He Or was he 130 pounds living out of a van? Did he move back to his pounds. parents? He did. He did have to move back oh, to his hey. parents. Oh, hey. It was part of his, uh, after, like, he had, yeah, the whole thing. So, Tom, at least you didn't get arrested. You didn't get arrested. I know. I was, yeah. You just couldn't feed yourself. I feel like that's a pretty, not going to jail, going to jail is not a common 18-year-old thing, but, like, not being able to feed yourself. Like, we're eating macaroni and cheese anyway, so... Yeah, well, I'd, always, burritos. I'd always worked, and then I went into... Yeah, a rape crisis center. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but that that was the first year. I mean, early, earlier than that, I always worked and made pizza and always had summer jobs, mowing lawns, shoveling stoops, whatever. I always had money. Like, I just remember, oh, I want that boom box, 1983. My dad's like, yeah, go. Go work, Go yeah. work. Mm-hmm. Go, go save money. Well, I wanted a car. I ended up getting a... Honda Elite 150 motor scooter. Anyway, long and st- so I always had my family and they still look, they still help and bail me out. 
and I'm grateful as fuck for that. But as far as creating my own opportunities, I feel like hearing you guys sometimes, I just wonder how you guys navigate in this world of having multiple choices, always having to hunt for a gig, not knowing when your next check is, having mad skills. And not being appreciated. <laughs> and uh, Underpaid, overworked. Un- yeah, underappreciated too. See, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. How do you not buy that? Because I grew up in a place where I, I worked in a nursery for a summer. Got high every day, but I moved 40-pound bags of wood chips for $3 an hour, and I was fucking happy. How old were you? So wait, what are you, 16, what are you, what are you not getting? Like, I get, like, we can go out and get any job and provide for ourselves. That's not, like, what part I mean, do you not get? I mean, kind of. Really? What part can do you, you not get? Not that's really. The part that's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Like, I, I've worked, I don't like, think I could even get ever. hired at <laughs> In-N-Out right now. The competition is so fierce in the city, and even if we did... I just got um, hit up for a radio gig that is in, like, Riverside, so I have to drive all the fucking way to Riverside. That's, like, how many miles? to? Uh-huh. It pays minimum wage, like, $12 an hour in California, where we're paying $1,200 for a studio, and I'm only going to be... I know. And I'm only going to be, like, working for, like, four or five hours. It's not even a full-time job. Right. So... So, like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can really go out and provide for ourselves. I can't have a one-bedroom apartment. Definitely not. I can't afford it. Well, I mean, how many weird jobs have you had? I feel like I have 20 different resumes yeah. from all the weird jobs I've yeah. done. Like, Promotional modeling, being oh, someone's yeah. personal assistant. Yep, yep, yep. A lot of personal assistant stuff, mm-hmm. which it's always the same person who needs a personal assistant, and they always like can't tell you what they need, and I'm like... <laughs> It's never going to work. <laughs> Talent, And man. look, it, it's not you. I'm just trying to... I have theories, right? So well, tell us your theories. Well, I'm just trying to tie it into your generation. Talking about like, mine. Like you said, you could have any job or work any generation. job and pay your bills, but that's not doing what you love. So I don't want to I don't want to go down the, hey, go get a job and use your mm-hmm. degree and you know make whatever you need to make. That's not where I was trying to go with it. And I don't want you guys to get defensive, but I feel like... You guys have so much water. We can provide for ourselves. What do you mean? Well, I can't. Like, no, we can't. No, we can't. Like we're millennials. Fuck you. Yeah, that's that's the. I'll pro- live in my basement. If I, my parents' basement. If I want to. Oh my god. I'm not getting out of bed until eleven. I'm only going to be on camera if I get paid. <laughs> Sorry, you said defensive, and I launched into no, a little terrain. No, it's just it's just. Uh, it's just. What are you guys going to do? What's your life plan? What are your dreams? How do you? We pursue- don't have a life plan. I do. How are How we going to have a 401 them? fucking K? Oh, my plan is to make a lot of money and then hope for the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good fucking luck, girl. You know I'm kidding. All these unpaid podcasts you're I doing. I know. They're so good. Did you finally get paid for the Santa Monica mirror yet? I saw your video about the hijabi thing. No, I haven't gotten paid for any of that. Is that one that Adam edited? Uh, no, I edited. So oh, you far, did edit that one? This is so off topic and Tom is going to kill us. But um, yeah, no. so far... Yeah. Every video they've sent to him, he hasn't liked, and I've taken them and edited them for free into the video he wants so that he'll post it. And then I keep, and then I say, you know, I can just make these stories myself and then save us a week and time and yeah, all there's this. There's nothing special about that videography in that video. No. Uh-uh. Literally everything I've shot, I could have shot myself, and I have edited it myself. Um, not to despair the people who are working on it, but they're, you know, this is also their side gig. I don't know what it is about men that like, men, like I've worked for you for like two years now and like, you know, I can shoot my own stuff. Um, I am working on getting hired for a part time, like actually part time instead of just freelance Yay. news gig. 
And I'm like, I've worked for you for like two years now. I don't need a videographer. You don't have to pay me less and also pay a videographer. You, I literally bargained with this human being for like emails and emails that was like, look, I'll put my gimbal on top of my tripod, both Christmas gifts. Thank you, mom. (laughs) Over the years of me getting like camera equipment for Christmas. Ah, I will do this, this, and this. I will pick it up. I will pan. I'm not trying to be on camera the whole time. Like I do not need anyone else. I promise you, you're gonna pay me my fucking day rate. God damn it! Yeah, he told that, he said that to me too. He's like, Ugh. well, I know that people, I know that the the producers who also are are hosting it or being on camera, they they tend to be on camera too much. I'm like, I just want to tell a story. I am a storyteller. I love being on camera. I'm amazing. I don't have to be on camera but at I don't all. Have tea. to be on camera just for pay these me. stories like that. If I want to be on camera, I'm going to film something that it makes me the highlight. But if I'm doing a story about someone else, why am I on camera? Yeah, I'm not. We know as journalists that we're going to be on camera when we can't tell the story yes. any other way. Yeah. Like in 1979, there were papers that I don't have access to. So I'm going to tell you with my face. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't even want um, to do intros or outros. real. Ugh. It's just with this, this one human being, so and I'm real. glad we share it because I've... I mean, it's not even just this one human being, though. Yeah. It's the entire industry. Yeah. Hey, can you come work and do this red carpet for free? interview Ellen DeGeneres for free? Can you put on $80 of makeup and a $1,000 dress and come down and use all of your degree and your hosting skills for free? I'll give you the real. And then they never do. Like, why do they never do it? It's not that hard to just give me a fucking. Uh, I can't. This industry is very complicated, and I'm blessed to be here, but it is, we, there's so much to navigate. All the time. Although it was really fun when Cameron came. He was like, you're so impressive. And you do this and you do this. And you work in radio and you have a podcast. And you do this and you're getting paid. And you can pay your rent in LA. And I was like, oh my God, I am amazing, aren't I? I think So that was fun. I think that, that when, like we just ranted. Sorry, Tom. We just <laughs> Tom ranted, likes about, our rants. ranted about our industry. This is why I get up at 7.30 in the morning. This is why I kick myself in the this butt. This is why I can't get up at 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> this is why Fuck. I kick myself in the butt. I say, hey. No one's hiring you to be in a movie right now. You just had an amazing dream about a film. You're going to direct it, you're going to produce it, and you're going to star in it. Oh, okay. You're going to also make a short film there because there's a short film competition. None of this is paying me, but I don't care because not being on, like, not doing anything is also not paying me. So I might as well do something that doesn't pay me, like physical that I can show Man, people. I really need to get a dance so I can like pursue my <laughs> dreams and not get paid. I have paying jobs too. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I still do a lot of like, personal assistant bullshit, and I just want to like shoot myself in the foot. But you know, also within me is not like I'm not going to have damn pay for my clothes. I'm not going to have damn pay for like my coffees. Um, pretty much my thing with our relationship, and he's totally like, "Don't work, it's cool." Yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, you can pay the rent and like utilities, but I'm going to pay my way for it, everything else, and we're going to split groceries and food." And he's like, "You don't have to do that." And I see you're unhappy, and I'm like, "No, if I become comfortable, I don't become as creative." At 100%. Yeah. 100%. And he's, and he'll tell you, he's like, yeah, just stop struggling. And I'm like, Dan, I want the to struggle. The struggle is the art. The struggle is the art. The struggle is what keeps you on your toes. And I'm not going to, if I don't work, I'm not going to be able to come from a place of anger or happiness or whatever. Hmm. Thomas is like, <laughs> he's you just guys taking it all in. We hate millennials. He's just taking it all in. Yeah, I still think millennials are fucked, though. I don't know. We're all fucked. I just, you know. So, yeah, if you if you want to ask how we pursue our dreams, the answer is very complicatedly. <laughs> Every damn day. It shouldn't be, though. I mean, you're also in this place where, like, waking up is hard, doing things are hard, executive dysfunction is real, 
And like, I feel that in my soul. Like I have to give myself, I have to try to remember to be gracious every day for anything. And like, I have to give myself, my therapist has to give me pep talks. Cameron has to give me pep talks to just like try to get me out of bed in the morning. Do you (laughs) give yourself pep talks? I know it's hard. I mean, I'm not very good at doing things for myself. So like yeah. if I feel like I did a really good story, I'll call my mom and gloat and be like, I am good at this. And TJ did like that video and whatever else. But like, it's still, it's still I nailed on, that it's, interview. It's hinging on him liking it. Um, sometimes. Okay. I remember I did a story on like School of Rock and... The movie? No, there's a, a, a music school here. It's near my in, house. Oh, what's sorry, that? Near like, my house. I just love Jack Oh, Black. is it? Yeah. Yeah, I love Jack Black, too. No, there's an actual school. Yeah, there's a school mm-hmm. in Venice, and there's a school... There's a bunch of schools, actually. There's one um, by Venice, yeah. But, um... So I went, and it, you know, it was a... I was trying to find an interview, and the dude that was helping me was like, you know, we, we want a story, you know? We want a kid who's overcome something with music, or a kid who... Anything, yeah. <laughs> some sort of transformation, right? Not just a kid who likes music and has learned how to play the guitar. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to the manager, and he's like, "Oh well, this kid, you know, he's he's only eight years old, and he learned how to play this rock." And I was like, "That's great, but mm, you got a lot of those. Is you have one arm or something?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, literally. So We're looking for the good story. Yeah. So finally, he gives me. Um, I had already done a story on them, and I had found a kid who was autistic. And who was like nonverbal until you could see him like fucking jamming on the piano. It was such a good story. And so then I did this next one and he was like, well, there's this one kid who, you know, he, he kind of was quiet and like I had two options, the kid who was really good or the kid who was kind of quiet. And now he's not so quiet. I'm like, okay, that's kind of a transformation. And this kid ends up during the interview. He's like 11 years old, 12, maybe. He comes out and he's like, I had anxiety. The the 12-year-old knew what anxiety was and he knew that music cured it for him. Mm. And so wow. I was so pumped that like I recognized something that this kid would be better and somehow I pulled that out of him. I was like, that was a good interview. Like that was a powerful story. Mm-hmm. I found that and I had to suck the shit out of this story for it. But like, I did that. Like, I'm okay at this. Like, I can kind of do this. But, um, yeah, it is definitely really nice when you have other people that, like, tell you you can do it, too. Like, I feel like every time I see my therapist, I'm like, tell me that I can do this. Tell me that it's necessary. That's human nature. I feel like we need community. We need support. And you you cannot live in a vacuum, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But you also have to talk yourself up. I'm so not good at that. I need to learn more. Even if you're not good at it, you just have to say, like, yes, I can. Or I am good. Or just find your one thing. And if you do not believe it at first, it's like laughing or smiling, right? Yeah. Or listening to a good song. Even if you're not in the mood for it, you have to say it. Like, if I'm running up a hill, I'll just – you can't say, like, don't stop, right? Because that has a negative connotation. Mm. So when I was coaching gymnastics, I used to always preach this shit. Um, I was like, you can't say, don't stop. You can't say, don't fall. You can't say – um, try your best. You can't say those words because they don't have any power. You have to say, I can do I'm it. doing this. Mm. I did it. Uh, I don't know. I can, I can, I can, I can. I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. You know, there's that old book with the little train. Um, but it, it totally works, even if you don't think you can. I, I did it before I do interviews. I do it before, like, a lot of, like, auditions. 
I'll just find that moment of peace and I'll just say, I got this. That's I my definitely thing. believe I in the this. power of like intention and the power of like positive thinking. Mm-hmm. When you don't have a mental illness that has like a wall that like yeah, it's different box of that shit. Have you guys seen those viral videos where it's like negativity and they slide it away and hate and it blocks all the haters and like <laughs> no thank you bye and it's like yeah with depression my hands are tied around my fucking like. Negativity, all oh, right in the fucking face. Like, yeah, there's nothing blocking that. So I'm really thankful for my. Oh, knocking my hands on things. I'm really thankful for my um my uh antidepressant meds. That's that, Thomas is gonna freak out. That shit's so nice. <laughs> You're so and um, Tom, have you ever done the? I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> Does it work for you? Oh, uh, yeah. Or am I alone here? <laughs> no, I mean you guys both. Oh, how do I? Like. Probably like what bad. what are you thinking when you're laying in bed and like nah not today like what do you what are you feeling so i don't think that um hold on so covered a lot of territory i just feel like maybe i'm not understanding your careers or the industry um i definitely understand executive dysfunction Mm-hmm. But again, I go back to like when I knew I wanted to do something, there was nothing going to stop me. Like failure was not an option. Is there anything that you want to do right now? Like besides this, this podcast? Mm-hmm. See, uh, be with my kids. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I have a skill set. I have a brain trust, you know kind of what we were talking about the other day with your dad. Mm-hmm. He has a brain trust, and then it's just like, what's going to motivate you? For me right now, I just feel like there's this veil, this like, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, a veil, this screen, this land, this rich, I see the world where I'm, I'm, I'm getting off of benzodiazepines and I'm getting my ass kicked. My executive functionality is compromised. My baseline functionality is compromised. I have waves and windows of functionality and good days, clarity. I'm not unclear or dangerous or unsafe, but I'm definitely not able to go and throw down a 14-hour day. I turned my mic off because I was mm-hmm. eating goldfish. Ask me a serious. I'm a badass. Can I ask you uh, a serious question? This whole conversation. I was going to say, is, isn't this podcast like super serious? We should yeah. call ourselves super serious. Um, have you ever been or are you currently suicidal or mm-hmm. have you ever had suicidal ideation? Yeah. And see, when I answered, I had, I was honest and said I've had suicidal ideations. They put me in a fucking psych ward. Really? And I was like, I'm not suicidal. I don't what, have What plans. year was that? That was like five months ago. You're kidding. No. You're a therapist because when I told my therapist about my suicidal ideation, she was like, she questioned me and was like, well, do you have a plan? Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't, so she fucking let me go. Right. Well, you have yeah. the whole, right. Well, you're not planning. There's different degrees. So, yeah. having, But you weren't who, planning either and they threw you in. Well, it was after a 10-hour panic attack, an eight-hour hospital wait, and then these people started asking me questions. I was so fatigued and just out of it. Yeah. Plus, I hadn't taken my medication. Mm. So I was like an interdose withdrawal. Did so, someone like do a... What's it called? A five one five zero on you? No, mm. no, uh. they wouldn't do that to me because I was like, hold on, like I may not have, I don't know what you're doing, and they didn't, they didn't like the amount of value on. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. That's mm. what they wanted. Let's just, to be just put you somewhere to be safe. But they, right, and I, I was like, I just want to go home now, and they're like, no, mm. you can't go home. I'm like, you're not 
you know, ruin my career and my credit and everything like that. And, and like, this is uh, voluntary, not yeah. involuntary. Mm. You know, you're not 5150ing me. Mm. No fucking way. And then I But did someone call the cops on you? Like, no. Oh, okay. I, went, I went to the hospital because I didn't, I, I had the mother of all panic attacks. Mm. And then, like I said, you wait three hours until someone sees you. And then I'm in the back for like six hours. Mm. So it was one of a list of questions. And I should have said, no, I have no suicidal ideations. I would have went home. Yeah. See, just but being honest doesn't honestly, pay out sometimes. No, that sucks. That yeah. that's and that's that the worst that. thing you can possibly do exactly. to someone who has mental illnesses. And but I just, have ideations. I yeah. have moments where I'm like, I should just drive my fucking car off the road. Who doesn't? Yeah. But who, right. Well, exactly. a lot of people don't. But I asked not, my mom. I'm she not, was like, No, I've never thought about suicide. That's weird. Right. I never so, thought about yeah. killing myself, but I've definitely thought about hurting myself. So See, suicidal ideation is I don't want to kill myself. I physically don't want to go through with the act of like hurting myself i'm scared of it but i want to die like i would like i would prefer to be dead if yeah, i wake up dead i'm happy wow yeah that's suicidal ideation over right so so there is a and, and they obviously and i'm not belittling therapists in this notion but they go through this protocol well there are some pretty there are some shit therapists there's some great therapists just like humans well, also they it's have really to unfortunate have that you went through that they have to have a protocol to, to structure, no, just to structure their own something. Ass. At the end of the day, most of them are just covering their own ass. When yeah. you say you, when your word suicidal comes up, and back to everyone has had dark, deep moments of mm-hmm. despair, mm-hmm. regret, remorse, guilt, shame, whatever it is, and you just feel like I want to die. I wish I would die. Why don't I die? Or if this keeps happening, I'm gonna. Yeah, but I don't plan. I don't have a plan like, oh, I'm gonna hang myself or Robin Williams, asphyxiate myself, shoot myself. Oh God, why do you have to bring up Rob Bob? <laughs> I'm just saying. But I want to. I want to get back. Rest in peace. I want to get to when I did have an executive function, and I just can't. I just don't. I don't understand why the fuck why people fail. I don't understand how people succeed. You know what I mean? I can see exactly why people fail. Because they stop you trying. You when you get complacent. Yeah, or when they stop trying. What is failure and what is success? Well, that's another good point, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but I'm just saying it, it's different for everyone, right? Yeah. So, well, you said earlier what your goal is. Yeah. Your goal was to just have memories and impact in people's lives. And I don't want to be forgotten. Money is your motivator. Yeah, I don't. I mean, well, and that has changed over like getting more responsibility. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, money solves a lot of problems. So, and then, and then there was a whole litany and part one of Chella's rant one last thing. that you do all these podcasts for free. You're doing all this stuff for free. Like, so where's your time and energy and effort going? And are you afraid to show up to be successful and pursue nope. and, and be able to say no to people and go, this isn't worth my time. This isn't a horse I'm going to stake or bet on and the, go down that list and then go, what has, uh, what has the most value for me? Mm-hmm. And it's not being selfish. It's getting autonomy so that then you can really have impact. It's getting successful enough to have impact because now I can sponsor other podcasts. I could do, you know, I can give charity. There's a, I don't want to throw numbers out, but I bought a high school school uh, baseball team a fucking scoreboard. Awesome. Right? That's so cute. Sony missed it. Yeah. Google missed it. Yeah. I got them and it says, you know, Gray Block Pizza. That's awesome. For 20 years. Oh, dope. Right? Because the football team had a laser-leveled grass field. Mm-hmm. And uh, Leah, the wife, was like always into baseball. And she's like, this is the Bad News Bears parking lot baseball field. Oh, Bad News Bears, yeah. And then we were in Culver City anyway, so $30,000 scoreboard. So Damn! Right. But we're also sitting here with 25000 worth of podcast gear. So when I hear this whole list, being your friend or whatever, I'm like, where's the failure? 
Do all your pods here. You don't need all these people. Don't do anything for free. Mm-hmm. Where's the trade? Where's the exchange? If it's a career hike where, tell I'm going to do this in exchange for this because if I get some shine and then this is going to build my resume, start getting self-centered. I'm not saying get selfish, but what are the tasks? And stack it and go, well, I need two hours of art. I have artistic things. I have acting things. And it's like, no, I love this. Like, There's no accountability. And I'm not saying Dan or anything, but... Dan isn't your meal ticket. You want to be your own meal ticket. Mm-hmm. You want to have impact. You want to be a positive person. You have stories to tell. You're a creative person. You're, you know, you both are. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not getting the failure part because in my mind, when I did have, and again, I wasn't truly had an executive function. I was a fear-based carbon human being. Fear-based carbon human I being. Had a, I was OCD and I worked mm-hmm. 16 hours a day, six days a week for six years straight, guys. That's, That's how I got my money. Yeah. That was the beginning of it. And then what did I do? I put my balls on the chopping block. Oh, my God. At 24 and opened up my first pizzeria in Shithole Abikenny in 1994. Damn. With family and everyone investment. laughing in my face. Did they? Telling me it was a terrible idea. Now you get to laugh at them. But my point is. It is my that favorite was the insanity. That is the insanity yeah. that I had. Yeah. So when I see you guys, I'm like, wait, what's what? And it's not that you have excuses. I'm just trying to understand because you have a very different industry. You have a very honestly, di- it's just we do these things as creatives and as uh, you know professionals and you know a type people in our world that if we are not Oprah already, we're not succeeding. And Oprah is probably like this too. She's like, I'm Oprah, but I'm not fucking Obama. Who's so, who the next person who's going to be Oprah? She's looking behind her. She's looking behind know. her. But I'm saying is like when you in our industry when you've made it you still are constantly looking behind you of like, how long have I made it? Really? There is no, you've made it. Mm, really? How long am I, uh, how long does my impact remain impactful? Yep. How long can my legacy last? So it's like, yep. we, you know, really? we mm-hmm. are, you know, we may be paying the rent with radio and news and whatever, and it's never going to be good enough. Jojo on the radio, I was his producer for a little while and he is on you know, primetime kiss FM in LA as a talent. And he was always like, how do I do this? How can I produce this? And like, nothing was ever enough for him. It was never enough money. It was never enough, you know, and that's just what we do as perfectionists in this. It's not always reaching for more. I think it's just our industry because he cannot be complacent because there are so many wonderful people who will take their, his job. Yeah. There's so many wonderful creative people who are, who are thinking of new things to do. And if he gets complacent, then he's going to fade away because that's complacency doesn't have a place. But we all have, hopefully we all have a number, a number of money that would buy our souls. No, not your (laughs) souls where, Hey, Dollar X means I get to walk away. Uh, I have total autonomy now. Mm-hmm. And everything I do is basically a passion play. Or I'm not doing it. Forget about legacy. What legacy? You think that people are going to remember Oprah 150 years from now, 200 Probably. years from now? Yes. Wait, yes. wait you <laughs> said there's going to be no planet in 15 years. True. I don't know. So, uh, I'm not an expert As on long as the planet change. is around, Oprah will be remembered. Well, she could probably, if I was Oprah, I would, uh, what is it? You, you can put out the, the sound wave into the universe forever, right? Isn't that a thing right. we've done with, like, um, what do we do it with? We did it with a couple episodes of something or a radio show. They did it a long time ago. They put the waves out there for look for other life. So as, as I was Oprah, I would be, Oprah, if you're listening, do this. Broadcast your shows into the space, and then you'll live forever. 
That's Honestly, my plan. Even if she doesn't, she's going to live forever. But I don't want to. I don't want to get far afield of like again, you know, traditional radio. You guys said last pod it's dead is dead. There's no money in it. So why do any radio? See, I feel like all the money's in podcast influencers, and even Instagram has a shelf life. So it's, oh, yeah. it's how do you guys build momentum and and that influence state translates to from whatever Vine to Instagram to whatever the next Instagram is or whatever it's, the next platform. It's like is. surfing. You catch one wave. And it's fantastic and it's beautiful and you have a wonderful experience while you're surfing mm-hmm. that wave. Mm-hmm. And then you crash and burn mm-hmm. and you paddle back out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not just entertainment. I think that's most industries. especially that's life, in a, Yeah, right? that's life. You know, and you're going to have, you know, like I shared earlier, you know, I lost everything when I was 17. Everything I'd worked my whole life for. And it turned, oh, out, it turned out to be a huge blessing because I would not have had the college experience that I had because yeah. I'm so organized and whatever. It forced me to be less... It forced me to be scrappy, broke as fuck. Like, we shopped only the 9 and cent store, my roommate and I. Thank um, you for supporting my oldest brother. Yes, you're, you're welcome. I love the store by, by our college. Um, yeah, I mean, we couldn't, we could, we would steal toilet paper from the college. We, we were so broke, my roommate and I. We would go to the college and, like, stuff our backpacks full of toiletries because that was my idea. I was like, we can get toilet paper for free. We don't go buy that shit. <laughs> um, but that's just another wave. And, and every single wave, you learn how to navigate the next one better. But I guess for me, what I always wanted to do is mentor people, right? Because I I had an uncle. Uh, he's still alive. And he's still awesome. You but have an uncle. Like, <laughs> no, but he would show up in a very fourth grade way of communicating and getting me through some difficult, dark shit. Mm-hmm. But the, the accountability, I feel like you guys have a different cycle, or your generation has a different cycle of accountability. Break it, break yeah. that down. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, I think you have a lot less hope, uh, yeah. a, a lot less, and it's also yep. your industry in particular. Uh, and I see even my industry. We were talking about a little bit with all the lead gen and all the different ecosystems and APIs and, and the chains and you have, have to be big and there's no room for small little mom and pops. That's going to change. But that kind of stuff, like, you know, it could be very disheartening and, and cause a lot of stuff. I think her phone's doing that to the mics. Hmm? Are you talking about the motorcycle outside? No. Mm-mm, it's not her phone. Uh, something else. Anyway, my point is the accountability part. How do you make yourself accountable? Like for me, I know right now you hear it now louder? I hear yeah. it, but I don't know why. Sorry, bugging out. Check it, check, check. Mike is screaming. I'll figure it out. Keep talking. Um, now it stopped. Nope, now it's no, back. No, it's there. Um, <laughs> so accountability. How do I make myself accountable? Well, I can't right now. I have to get off these meds. That's my first thing. In the interim, what Well, that I is do? still being accountable yeah. with your mental health. That's being very accountable. Right, but and I it's a slow, really difficult, fucking arduous, painful struggle. Right. But that's arduous. still... But I don't have... That's a good word. But I'm, but I'm not getting any sympathy, right? I, I, stand, I can stand to lose everything, guys. Mm-hmm. There's no one paying my... You, you have know, to give yourself the sympathy and like... And like, or no. kick yourself in the ass and say, "Get the fuck off these meds and do it now." Yeah, but I mean, you, that's never worked for you, me. But some, you, some things you can't will your way. No, through. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm and just that's the being part where I, I says Juliet, who's never experienced the wrath of mental illness. Don't listen to her. Well, don't don't listen to me. It's not just mental illness; it's, it's addiction too. Yeah. You know, when you're don't when you're accidentally or farm or harmed, mm-hmm. and you become physically dependent on something, and everyone thinks you're crazy. Like go into a bento group yeah. and talk to these people. Yeah. I think the most something that my therapist taught me, which has been somewhat helpful, but 
I don't know what what she says is that um, you have to imagine that like, you know, picture baby Tom, like two year old baby Thomas or four year old baby Thomas or whatever baby Thomas, whatever baby Juliet is most precious to you. Babies. And, you know, if baby Thomas didn't want to get up in the morning or baby Thomas was having trouble sleeping or baby Thomas was, you know, struggling to overcome this, you know, um, chemical dependence you would feel so much sympathy for them you'd be like i know it's so hard and if you just want to sleep today like if your body is saying sleep like you know let's let's go out and play let's go out and play for just 15 minutes baby tom and then we can sleep like we can get the rest that we need and baby tom you know you have to go to school today for for just an hour and if you still don't feel good that's okay. And just yeah. kind of like try to be understanding and like, baby Tom, you played with that toy that you're not supposed to play with yesterday right. and that's okay. And we can move on and like still with, start with a brand new day and baby Tom, it's going to be okay. We can do this together. And that's good. But at some point that's where I'll go to Juliet's side of defense and say, I, at what at point end, do you hold yourself accountable? Yeah, and yeah. at some point, when is your self-speak going to be the only uh, voice that you follow in, uh, other than hearing God <laughs> waiting for that? Well, I but, feel like God is within all of us, and so listening to agreed. yourself and listening to your own self is listening to the, the Lord. But building that building agreed. that self-speak and taking contrary action and learning or journaling and going, mm-hmm. hey, every time I wait in bed for 40 minutes scrolling on Facebook... And instead, I take contrary action and realize five minutes an alarm goes off, I'm off of Facebook, I'm taking a cold shower for four minutes, and my med- bed is made, and I'm out the door and doing a lap around my pole. One on. step at a time. I'm doing a, a lap one around my apartment time. every day, no matter what, <laughs> then seeing how I feel. Then Start take, with one of those. Then taking my cheerleader calls in and going, yeah, I'm out of my bed, and it's called bookending and bookmarking and going, hey... This is my goal for the week. Just one week. I want to wake up every day and be out of my apartment by 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Guess who's up at 7.30 or oversleeps till 9. God, if Juliet. I sleep till 9. But that, I, I like what you're both saying because I'm definitely more of this thought. But when you're saying, oh, be nice to yourself like as if you're a little baby. Because if I don't get up, if I do sleep mm-hmm. until 9, guess what? My whole day is fucked because I'm like, my positive speak, over. I'm like, really, Juliet? You slept until That's fucking you 9? That's all the reserves you have. Like, you didn't get. Like, you got to listen to your body. Your wow. body said you, you needed some more body. sleep. So yeah, but the then punisher, I'll sit there the and, and I will out. be mad at myself. Mm-hmm. And then I will be. Yeah. And it will let You'll me. You'll guilt yourself. I'll guilt myself. And it yeah. will. And I can't. It'll I can't, tarnish the rest of your day. Else, and then I'm mad at everyone Taint. else. Yeah. And, uh, and it actually makes you less productive. So finding that balance is good because I'll catch mm-hmm. myself and be like, you need to be a little nicer to yourself, mm-hmm. Juliet. You're being a crazy bitch to Juliet. And I get it. We're bitches, but it's cool. And then I'll be like, no, shut up, Juliet. You're stupid. And then anyway. But you have to find that balance or else the whole day is shot. So that's black and white thinking. That's the frozen infantilized aspect of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's either all good or it's all bad. Yeah. And I didn't used to have that. That was definitely because of my mom. Right. Not Mm -hmm. because of her. Like, just because of what happened to her. Not Mm -hmm. not her. And that back to, you know, I forget when you were saying, if you were saying it on the pod, but it's realizing, you know, certain parts in, in... your nature nurture, right? Of hmm. how do I go through these relationships? How do I find different archetypes? How do I get my male validation or male intimacy? Because you're not a lesbian. Yeah, what is my archetype of masculinity? Right. Hmm. Which is now beginning to change, which is interesting. Right. And I want to transition into that. into that. And I'm going to say I'm transitioning. Segway. Oh. 
Tom on point. <laughs> so smooth. Snaps for Tom. Thank you, Papa so, Smurf in the house. More about that. my therapist. So, um, so you had some dreams. Yes, my therapist is someone that believes in the validity of dreams and like translating it's your them. your subconscious talking to mm-hmm. you. So one of the dreams that I had was about, um, I went to, I, I guess we were going to a cemetery just to like fuck around and it was raining because it had been raining that week Who's and I we? brought... Um, my neighbor, Missy, who was gay. And for some reason, that was important to the story um, because it had to do with femininity and masculinity. And I had an umbrella and it was a bright pink umbrella and it was working. And I had another umbrella for her and it was a black umbrella and it was broken. And I gave it to her to use. But it broke was broken. The vagina. <laughs> sure. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. <laughs> the umbrella isn't a vagina? It the uh, it's It's really hard to talk about the translation of a dream in like, a minute instead well, of the was 60 it, minutes how was that it you, translated um so well keep going because there's more to the dream no that's the dream but you had something about masculinity and right the, the r um so obviously there's the i'm ignoring that obviously there's Why? the um what, what did you say cr Ring. Oh, you dreamt about cock rings. No, but this is a different. That, dream. That's a different dream. Can you pause? Can we go one dream at a time? Oh, I thought it was all one dream. No, why? I thought it was pink <laughs> umbrellas and cock. Can rings. I tell my dream or not? Yes, of course. <laughs> nope. So obviously, there's the um, imagery of death mm-hmm. because we're at a cemetery, mm-hmm. and I have this bright pink umbrella that works, and this dark black one that doesn't work. Mm. So the way that we, this is just going to sound like. Don't edit. Just go. <laughs> Just go. go. Juliet will understand this because she's from Sedona and she understands <laughs> the woo woo. Yes. But like, if wow, you... I'm way more woo woo than you guys. Okay, then you guys will both understand it. Maybe you're out woo woo you. <laughs> My the... soul is way older. <laughs> I don't know. I don't about know. That. I feel like our souls are pretty young. I used to be called Baby Buddha. Okay, so Baby Buddha. Whatever that means. So the um, you're at. It Cemetery, was I'm handing off at my death. my dead self. Mm. It's I was giving it to Missy as like this victim of my life and mm-hmm. is my dead feminism and this new bright pink feminine color umbrella is what's protecting me from this birth this this new the rain the rain right? huh protecting you from birth or no no it it's, just is it's, yeah, it's washing it's away a, the old it's a baptism yeah so it's something new something old to something new this mm-hmm. bright pink umbrella is sheltering me so the this new is feminism cleansing. is working for me right yeah. so then i had a dream so it's a protective thing right so that's the first dream okay this new feminism this newfound feminism this mm-hmm. newfound me is this new my new protective bubble that works because my old one did not work for me anymore the black umbrella is broken okay. right so what and an umbrella doesn't have a symbol for anything it's the protector. It's keeping me dry. Okay. And the pink umbrella is the feminism. Black umbrella is them. So the next dream, there are three dreams. The next dream I had was um, I was in bed with Cameron and we were about to be intimate. And he says to me, I can't sleep yeah, with you. Shelter protection. Thank you. Julia, I Googled just Googled it. it to make sure that Tom believed you. Um, Cameron looks at me and he's like, no, I can't have sex with you because your body is too much like my ex-girlfriend's. This was in the dream. It was a mm-hmm. jealousy the dream. thing, yeah. It's because he talks about her way too oh, fucking yeah, much. Yeah, he's yeah, just, he he's just processing and getting over her, and so I get why he does it, but he needs to stop doing it with me. We've already had this conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, he says that to me, and I... In the I, dream. In the dream, and I look at him, and I, I pull the cock ring <laughs> that we... 
<laughs> Look at her giggling. <laughs> I can't stop. She's still giggles. So I pull a cock ring out of my like bedside table mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, did you ever do this with your ex-girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the dream. Okay. Um, and so now I understand why control. she interpreted. That's why. No, all right. Now I right. understand why your therapist interpreted. So then the third dream, and I'll tell you about the translation of the second. Girl, you don't even dream. This sex is working out well for you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Last pod, she's like, I don't dream. Girl, you dream. <laughs> it's those. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. My mom might or might not watch this. <laughs> oh my the God. Sex hormones. So the next dream, um, I was in bed and I woke up and I had a voicemail from my brother Colin, who we don't get along super well anymore. He taught me what feminism was. And then he turned into this like conspiracy theorist. I wouldn't call him alt-right, but he believes in a lot of alt-right things. I don't know. I'm still coming to terms with it. So I have a voicemail from him and he says, dad's dead. Mm. And I'm like, I remember processing it for like two or three minutes. Like I should have asked to talk to him when I called mom last night. I'm never going to learn anything. Like I'm never going to have him there when I need to like know car stuff. But am I sad? Like, do I feel sad? Like, what is this feeling? Hmm. So then the translation of those two dreams was. Um, by your therapist. Right. By now, my, wait, did you have all these in one night? No. So no, this, this has been a in between sessions with a therapist. Yeah, so like a, like a week or so. So that this was but they well, were quick succession. The though. cock ring one and the call in calling were a day apart. Okay. Uh, the feminism and umbrella one po- was a week those ago. Those are post Cameron. Right. Okay. Well, the actually the one I can't have sex with you because my ex girlfriend that was when he was still here. Wow. Oh. Yeah, he talks about her too much. So anyway, <laughs> so the next one was the next two dreams. The translation was about masculinity and my view of it. Um, so my dad again was abusive and my brother is like this shadow character of mine, like anti-feminist, um, not like someone that I love hate. So this love hate part of myself was calling me to tell me that the part that's like my dad, um, or the masculine masculinity, the version of masculinity that I think that's what masculinity is, is this abusive, uh, toxic man Mm. that is dead. Mm. And the uh, the dream about the cock ring was obviously he talks about his ex way too much because she's showing up in our bed. But you're taking control. Yeah, the cock ring was an interesting symbol because it like <laughs> it like holds it it squeezes. What is the word that I want to use? It like puts pressure and holds someone back. Mm, um captures them it's yeah a, yeah it's literally, secure, it literally secure holds them. them back yeah you know hmm. so know like holds them back you're being it pos- does you're being they can't come as quick as they normally do with a cock ring it literally toy <laughs> it literally restricts yeah things. it's restrictive hmm. so it's possessive I, I see it the exact opposite as that but what do you see it as empowering how? I thought it was more about you and taking control. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, I like that symbol too. I, I don't yeah. I, I I don't know about your therapist, but I believe along with Juliet, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that everybody is an aspect of ourselves in our dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one, the masculinity part doesn't have to be derived from your father. It could be a masculine energy. It doesn't have to be a male authority figure. It could just be 
the advocating for self, demanding, uh, uh, hey, this is our boundary. This is what's appropriate. This is how my needs are going to be met. You're talking about your ex too much. You're coming too mm. quickly. I need that dick harder, longer. Oh, my God. I'm not restricting it's a you. It's a power thing. It's, and it's then, like, this is what I want, and I'm taking it. Is what I got from But him. it's not yeah. at his expense because yeah. he's he happy it, yeah. that he pleased you. Right. Yeah. So I'm it's back, not, to, like control. back I like that. to reality. It's yeah. just uh, masculine energy as opposed to authority. And then the feminine part, to me, there's a flowering. You know, it's not that the other part was... It was not optimal, right? It was not functioning or mm -hmm. protecting you. But now having a voice in the bedroom, having a voice about, hey, I'm recognizing one, you went on a whole, you know, wonderful appreciation of Cameron last week. Like mm -hmm. he showed up, mm -hmm. he didn't complain about his He's back. He's definitely looking forward. He was toting, he was toting heavy bags and gear for me. Yeah. He, he, you know, he was there. He genuinely One point seemed Cameron. to enjoy it. Mm. You also recognized the femininity that he had mm -hmm. and that... As a man, or your idea of what a man is, he's soft and feminine, and you know, and you like mm -hmm. that soft side to him. So, again, I'm not seeing it as masculine as far as uh, a physical gender, I'm seeing it as an energetic. So, you advocating for yourself and you being able to speak for yourself and assert your needs and have those needs met wasn't a restriction, it was what are the tools to be able to get the job done. You know, and at some point, you may not need a cock ring, right? It's but there's nothing wrong with it. Just like at some it. point, you may you may not Honestly, need antidepressants, but there's even... nothing wrong with it. Yeah. My point, I'm, what I'm trying to go with is my interpretation of those dreams is that you're occupying an advocate advocacy part of yourself, and you might go, "Well, I'm fighting the power, this masculine abusive thought." structure and, and, and my, my core organizing world principles are all based on abuse, neglect, mm -hmm. and, and a bad uh, father figure. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. But here you're now 26. You're dating someone that's two years younger. You said this was a long ramp-up period, a long sex ed period, a long relational investment time and energy. And all of a sudden, little, little, uh, little piggy bank is starting to pay off some dividends. He showed up. He was present. Yeah. He didn't complain. He was impressed by you. He was sensitive. He did a lot of things that no other guy did for you, like preemptive attentiveness, doing the small little things like, mm -hmm. hey, she's about to grab this. I'll get it for her. I'm going to do this, right? And so your needs I are being that met. I she's getting too drunk, so I'm going to start drinking water. Right. Yeah. Isn't that so sweet? So, so <laughs> that's the part for me that I find is, is a... In our still self-induced alpha masculine feminine world, and you were brought up and still reared on the tail end of that, there's still you know this uh, uh, vestigial or uh, worldview that comes from masculine being male as opposed to masculine being advocating, championing myself, knowing boundaries, establishing healthy interpersonal relationships, mm -hmm. and being able to connect with people on that level and that you know and in our so how is it remind me how the cock ring is a symbol of empowerment again because you're taking control you're your like, needs hey. were being met you're like hey, your this sexual is what needs I want. were being met this is what i want let's try this like you are taking yeah. control you have the idea you're initiating not only that but you're receiving mm -hmm. the energy mm -hmm. inside of your body which is the ultimate femininity yeah. <laughs> 
right? Absolutely. You're being penetrated by that supposedly restricted penis. If it's being, <laughs> if it's being held back, how is it penetrating you and, and being able to bring pleasure to you? Mm-hmm. Well, he's so it's, it's holding it back the seed. No, it's it's keeping him from not being able to you know stay present and hold space in a way that's arousing for you. It's allowing him yeah. to sustain that energetic flow, not through restriction, it's so but through connection, where he's able to sustain and hold that space and stay connected to you yeah. long enough for you to fully un- experience uh, him. Uh, well, release, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. then brings a whole new chemical cocktail of have you ever connecting seen a sex and bonding. Th- a specific sex therapist? Like, no, do you, I you have be it? One, though. You literally should you because should it's so be weird how. When I told her about these dreams, like, yes, she, we did. It's so weird to talk about sex with your therapist. It's just Why? Because she's 70. And like, I'm like, you're my grandma. And I'm like, I don't know if I she's, should tell you about this. She's probably having way more sex than all of us. Let's funny, I know, but it's still weird. <laughs> For me, but it's so weird. I can talk to any age about anything. I don't know. I, I like literally am age blind. I'm just over here like, is I'm this so appropriate? Am I allowed to tell you about this? <laughs> but it's so funny how you guys took that on two completely separate routes. Yeah. She went like, oh, it looks like your ideas of masculinity are changing. And like, they're becoming more like... Um, positive and more of like something that serves you and you went this whole route of like no the cock ring is empowering and like two different very good ways but it's so interesting how that happened i totally found the umbrella thing too you're like this is Mm -hmm. this is my new i don't know the whole thing i found very empowering and then your dad dying you're still you were owning like am i sad am i Um, sad and that was also very empowering of like i am my own my this my dad dying or being alive doesn't affect me is kind of what strangely, I got from, yeah. strangely in that as well. Yeah, in a weird way. I was just thinking about my dad, not about mm-hmm. the sex stuff or anything, but just you guys <laughs> were bringing it back to like, oh, you know, your dad, your dad sucks, and and that's why you have all these these weird ideas Things of masculinity. And, yeah. and I was just like, wow, what did my dad talk about when I was a kid? And he just was always about empowering women. He's like, women. He's like, women are the goddess. Women are why you know there's life on Earth. It's Mother Earth. Like it's the woman. Like. He is so much like I'm here to just support the the um, divine feminine. The divine feminine, yeah. He's like women are superior, and I'm here. Like I have my own power as a human, and he's always was just teaching me how it's not about your gender, how it's just you have a power as a person, male or female. But he always was like women are. He's like women are always just better at everything. (laughs) Well, hold on, but there was still some parts, and I'm not earmarking your dad, Mm -hmm. but there was some real resentment and frustration on your part where you did not show up in certain ways where you're like gosh i wish like my dad in a lot of ways has shown up and and again now looking back he's shown up more than anyone else has for me besides maybe my mom Mm -hmm. but i never it wasn't meeting my needs you know it wasn't yes i am opening the popcorn it's all good (laughs) Uh, it was not opening up my love language Hmm. Whereas my uncle, back to that fourth grade profound way, stepping in and being able to tell a good story and be specific and learning how to show up as a man, right? Your dad collapsed for a lot of reasons. Well, I think you're projecting a little bit because I think that his collapsing uh, during a moment of tragedy was not because he wasn't masculine or showing masculine. It was the love of my life from 19 
I don't know how to be mm. without this person. I don't right. think it was not showing up as a man. I don't think it. And so many people have projected that onto him mm-hmm. of like, he should be doing this. This is what a man does. This is what your dad should blah, do. Project, blah, blah. So and all of, no. all of me is thinking Project. he's doing exactly what he should do. He's by my mother's side and he doesn't know what to do right. because the love of his life is laying, you know, brain dead in a bed. It's my mom. Yes. And this is my dad. And this is my time to be like, you're gone back to you being 19 and in love with this woman, and right. now your whole world has shattered. But it's not projecting, Juliet. What it is, or is, what is it? Yeah, projecting means I'm inserting my own issues. Yeah. So what, what is it instead that I'm going for? Uh, it's uh, maybe I'm not interpreting or assessing or making a character. You know, or yeah. Getting a uh, formulating and a. Uh, I'm taking out of context that specific event. Yeah, I think I think just I'm also getting a little upset because a lot of my friends, not just you, a lot of my friends would say the exact same thing. Well, why didn't your dad just deal with it? Why didn't mm. he just do this? And the whole time I'm thinking he he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. Well, that's kind of the way the world has shown us that men have to be the strong ones and men have yeah. to take care and men have to show up and support. But like men are humans too, guys. Yeah. Men get to be soft and cry. Well, also like, just like it's it's different to lose a parent yeah. than it is to lose a spouse, I think. Yeah. You know, like it's a completely different kind of loss. Like when I think about, oh, if I lost Dan, it'd be like losing a part of myself. Like it would be like someone ripped my heart out of my chest and that is gone forever. For your parents? It would be on a different level. All right, so you are from your parents, and you have no choice in that matter. And it's different because you don't know your but parents. I, but, but but I want to. I, I want to. Well, s- he's got adopted parents. He's right. got adopted parents. I want to. I, I want to stay you choose on. Your partner. I want to stay on target. Mm-hmm. So, w- I'm still subscribing to the world of we have biology. Mm-hmm. We have male and female, mm-hmm. and people, regardless of your gender or however you I- identify, you can identify as male or female. I'm assuming your dad identifies. I think gender is more fluid than that, but let's go with your Fair theory. Enough. Yes, he definitely identifies as male. Yes. He d- identifies <laughs> as male. He is the father figure. He is mm-hmm. the husband, right? So I'm not judging him. I'm just saying that for me, I grew up in a world where I could have all the panic attacks in the world, right? And I mean, I had it, so I had plan B, plan C, plan D. What am I going to do when, when Leah was pregnant with my daughter, Mahala? How like, do you have a plan for when your spouse has a... Hold on. No, okay. I'm you do have a plan. Everyone. I have a plan right now. My dad has a plan. When he dies, it's called Neptune Society. He's getting cremated. But she didn't die. We don't, I understand that. My point is that in our lives, just as this event has prepared you now, mm-hmm. what we were talking earlier, we didn't get to discuss yet, <laughs> is you know the sense of urgency and how you know what can I do to fulfill my day and make mm-hmm. each moment count. I grew up in a model of, hey, you know what? You could be this, that, you know, you know, whatever your function is. There's some things in life, and again, this is not me judging your dad. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I don't I'm think you're very judged person. My, my, the world that I grew up in, it's like I could have all the panic attacks in a world. I could be a complete fucking glob of depression and anxiety. But when my wife's having a kid. I'm Johnny on the spot with a fucking ammo. It is not about me, and it's show up or die. And that's just that's not masculine or feminine. That was just the role that I identified with. But Juliet got to see a side of her dad that the 
your mom didn't see. Like, I'm sure he showed up for her when she needed to get to the ambulance, when she needed, but then you that's break not down it. outside. It's not, it's not, you see the men cry not, after they have the babies. Like, you walk out of the room and, and then your friends get to see you cry and your daughters get to see you cry, but not the wife. You know? Does but, that make sense, Juliet, or am I mischaracterizing that? Yeah, yeah, that, that does make sense. But I guess what I'm saying is the father daughter part, he was doing everything that he could in an unfathomable situation, mm-hmm. right? And and again, uh, uh, everything was all on the scholarship. There was no plan B. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's uh, that's a that's a a problem for me. Mm. Okay, that's a, that's a trait. But it's for also me. what I okay. wanted to do. I wanted to go to college. No, 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 no. So I, like, I should have had a plan B. If I wanted to go to college and I was riding on, on just my scholarship, I sh- I should have. I should have had a plan B. It's my my job. I can but who see raised what you're you? Who that, homeschooled you? So how are you going to know to have a plan A and B? When did you're you 18. A, did you have a neurotic Jewish father? No. So I did. Well, that, so yeah. I, have, I, have, I have plan A through Z, right? And I'm hopefully building up with my daughter and my son. Like if you don't get this and this fails and this fails and this shit hits the fan here, you have these fallbacks. Here's tree. Here's the top. Well, what are they going to do when, when you're not around and they don't like your fallbacks? Oh, how are they, they going to function? Called, it, well, that's the part where your dad didn't, and, and I'm not judging yeah. your dad. No, no, no. I'm, I'm asking you that's honestly. That's where the biggest, most important thing, and that was why your dad did something right. And I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I'm saying what your family, your mom and dad did do right is you have, you're a critical self-thinker. You can think for yourself, and you can bounce back. You're resilient, mm-hmm. and you can, if that first you don't succeed, try, try again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, so, whatever her parents did with her yeah, was like the right way to do I guess, it. <laughs> I guess it's not that he failed your mom. I feel I felt that time when you shared that story that he didn't know how to show up for you and say... He didn't know how to show up for himself. Well... You know, men aren't taught how to deal with emotions. We and are, so though. he didn't know no, what the no, fuck to I'm do not, with his no, emotions. No, ex- no, we don't... It's not an excuse. It's just like an explanation. Uh, it's not... But here again, even in the wild, right... There's a great YouTube uh, thing where like the lions and the lionesses deal with the hyenas, and the hyenas are a matriarchal society. No, I can't with this. You have to. You have to Idiom, bear with me. Synchro- bear, with it, bear with him. Bear, bear, bear with him. Bear with Metaphor. So, it's a metaphor, so y'all. Very quick. Very quickly, the hyenas are a matriarchal society. Mm-hmm. They, they run in packs. Turning like my mic off. Sixty to hundred. Go for it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish this because it's a good tie-in, in my opinion. <laughs> and the the males and the lions. They don't do anything. They're twice the size as the lionesses, mm-hmm. right? They only allow maybe a brother or a younger male, if that. Usually it's just one. And they run in a pride of around 15 at most, but usually like 10 or so mm-hmm. lionesses. The lionesses do everything. Yep. Right? The hyenas, the, it's a matriarchal society. They're twice the size as the men. The men... The males literally have no social standing, no status. The matriarch is the queen... Alpha, mm-hmm. biatch. She's the she runs. Why do you keep using bitch? I, it well, should be a positive word. Well, it's a dog. She's the, she's well, the main. It's it, it's bitch. Dogs. In, okay. Wait, right. men can't use it though. It's right. okay. They're, it's actually I'm a dog. Just, just finish the story. She's a badass person, right? So they're double the size. They rule everything. It's a whole elaborate social structure. The matriarch has a, fi- a daughter. She's the princess. Mm-hmm. She has standing over everyone except the second in command. Okay, I'd right? rather be a hyena than a lion. So, so far. this one lion, lioness. She has a cub. Mm-hmm. The hyenas killed her cub because mm-hmm. she was weak. Now, hyenas won't square off with a, a healthy lioness. Yeah, why would right? they stupid? Not, up maybe when there's more than 10, they will, right? 
a healthy one, but usually no, because there's no hospital in nature. So, but they're still fighting over resources. So every time you watch, I'm watching this documentary. I'm like, what does the male lion do? Every time they show this guy, he's laying underneath a tree, licking his balls. He really doing is doing nothing, and the lionesses are handling everything, fighting territory, all these little disputes, you know, mm-hmm. battling. So this one lioness, obviously losing a cub to these hyenas, has trauma. Right. So anytime hyenas come. She wants to attack, like overly aggressive, mm-hmm. like it's not a healthy balance thing. Like, hey, just get back to the other lionesses. They won't fuck with us two or three deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah but she's So pissed. they're able to pull her apart and get her into trouble and get the rest of the prey in trouble. Meanwhile, lion's licking his balls. They kill a huge, uh, whatever, water buffalo. He comes in, jaunts over while they're eating and just mm-hmm. growls and takes as much as he wants and goes, climbs a tree and mm-hmm. fucking eats so it. So what's his redeeming quality? Right, exactly. So now they're all in the middle of this river, right? This huge resource. And it's like that one female lioness, the, the one that lost her cub. Ten hyenas come in and start fighting with her. Now there's 20 hyenas. Now some of the other lionesses come in. Before you know it, there's like 60 or 70 of these hyenas. And then the matriarch comes in, right? And you're like... Matriarch hyena? Hyena, mm-hmm. right? And it takes years to establish that matriarchy. Yeah. Okay. All of a sudden, out of nowhere... The male lion comes in, flies over the lionesses, literally like they look over like, who's he going to attack? Goes right to the matriarch, snaps her fucking neck, and just walks off. Doesn't eat her, doesn't care. He just snaps her neck. And what does he do? He buys two or three years for them to reestablish her. So, Do you think that they couldn't have handled it without him coming in and snapping that neck? Right, because he's double the size and he's the only one that has the power to kill. They don't have like, the power to kill? No. They can team up two or three of them, mm-hmm. corner, but a, a one lioness. Ver, uh, hyenas are like 130, yeah, 140 pounds, and the lionesses are like 250. To, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. There's huge disparity in power. But no, the lionesses never are able to grab and snap. And he they does it up, with s- possibly, <laughs> but they don't work like that. They're not yeah, wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're lionesses, wolves are right? <laughs> and, and hyenas are, are more, wolves, wo- yeah. more wolf-like. He just so he goes in, snaps her fucking neck, and leaves, and that's his one job. Would their pride have been decimated from these hyenas? Would they no longer have existed as a tribe? Like if he hadn't come in, potentially, would they have been no more as a family group? Potentially, okay. Right, they were battling over a resource, mm-hmm. and it was definitely going to be one of those things where it could have been attrition. They were she lost a cub, which is reproduction. So there's a lot of tie-ins mm-hmm. to that, and bringing it back to. Where I'm coming in, and I'm not judging your dad, and I do agree with Chella, like people are allowed to fall apart, we're allowed to fall apart, but it's being able to self-assess and frame it mm-hmm. to keep that worldview. And, and If you want that worldview. Well, look, your mother couldn't say it. She was you know, in a life or death situation. Your dad was, like you said, the love of his entire life, right? But there was just you, him, and her. Mm-hmm. There was no contingency plan, like someone's going to step in. And that's the part that, you know, I feel like I, w- I would, w- l- l- listening to the situation, I'm like, who's going to come in and advocate for, the, for the, my kids and for their rights? And, mm-hmm. and, and, like, that's why you have godfathers, you have godmothers, you have, mm-hmm. like, that's We have the, backup systems. Yeah, right. ab- absolutely. And so that's the part to me where... <sighs> I don't think it was his fault. I think that's just no, the way our family, no fault. It's family just, unit... Yeah. was because we were such a tiny little family unit. Right. And I think that 
Dan is also a very non-masculine dude. Like he stepped in as as the caregiver for my dad and myself at some point right. because he was the most uh, removed. So he had the emotional bandwidth to do that. Right. So Dan definitely stepped up uh, head and shoulders over what he needed to do um, to support us right. and support me. And I told him, hey, I'm supporting everything. I need someone to support me. Dan came in. He's like, I'm here for you. Right. So that was great. But um, I guess in my in my being raised in in our just mm-hmm. little tiny pride of of lions, which I think we're definitely more like wolves because <laughs> just because um, there was never we're the parents and you're the kid. Right. Never a single time in my life did they say we're the parents. You do this. This is why because we're the parents and you're the kid. It was always you have an equal seat at the table. You are an equal member in this family. Since I was like could speak. Mm. Every decision, we all three make the decision together. We are all agreed upon it or it doesn't happen. Right. So when when my mom went down and my dad, he was still there um, and how it, a lot of it fell on me. But that was just me saying, I got this. And him saying, we don't move forward until both. Like now we're just a group of two mm-hmm. because we have to take care of the third one. And Dan came in as well. But it still was, there isn't, I'm going to rise up and be the male lion and kill the hyenas. It was we're still a pack of wolves and how do we do this together? So when you said, hey, you're projecting, everyone throws my dad under the bus, why? Why do you think because, they all say that? Because they have a different view of what a family unit is and a different view of, of what masculinity means mm-hmm. to them. Like okay. to me, being taking care of shit is, the, is not the woman's job, but just to me it's always been women who've done that or men who are more feminine to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly had really strong women and strong is the wrong word. Just had mostly had do it, do things women. Um, Because women do things. With male support, right? The males are there, they're supporting, but they're not ordering around. They're not sitting on their ass. They're just an equal contributor. I just, gender is so skewed for, not skewed for me. It's just to me, it's it's all an even playing field, like age. Because I was brought up from a young age that you have the exact same seat at the table as everybody else. Age doesn't matter. Your opinion matters just as much as this person. And whether or not that's that could be flawed in itself. But so I always think it's funny when people are like, Well, your dad should have stepped up. He's your dad. And you're just you're just his daughter and you deserve for him to protect you. And I was like, I don't need protection. That's he does protect me. He's a right there. Restricted view of masculinity. Yeah, he's right there. He's mm. he's not protecting me. He's backing me up. He's he's Is like, anything, You're out there. Let's I've do been it. my dad's protector and my grandpa's protector too. So we I'll, take turns. So I'll take ownership over yeah. the part yeah. that I don't know if I was projecting, but I was not assa- projecting. I was sorry, ass- use that word. That was I was assessing your dad based on how I was raised, and that is. You have to define a role. And back to my lion story, mm-hmm. his one job that he was good at was he snaps necks that he needs to snap. And that was – and yeah. the Dan is putting up a fucking paycheck, mm-hmm. right? And now he can only get so much mileage. It doesn't mean he doesn't get to cook meals or open the door for you when you're coming in with the groceries, yeah. right? But back to a traditional family, nuclear family that I grew up in, right, yeah. the 70s, mm-hmm. my dad worked. My mom was a homemaker. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's where my dad the showed nuclear up. Nuclear family. Well, the traditional nuclear family. Let's let's just emphasize that. Like my dad was the provider, mm-hmm. and by providing, he got certain leeways. Like he didn't have to micromanage. He didn't have to do all the. And then there's no greater value. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just my mom chose that role. Mm-hmm. I mean, purposely chose that role. Yeah. I think she could have easily have been. 
Different. whatever she yeah. wanted to be. She was college educated. She could actually, she wanted to do art. Mm-hmm. She chose to be a stay home mom. And look, she was friends with Barbara Kubrick and all these people that were up and comers in the beatnik generation. And th- she re- realized all her friends were miserable. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm actually the happiest out of all my friends and I'm a stay home mom. And, and they all poo-poo me and one's a doctor, this and that. She's divorced twice. Her life's miserable. And she's like, I have a good man. We have a good dynamic. It was her role. She chose it. He didn't enslave her. Mm-hmm. They had a good 63-year yeah, run. You can choose that role. Yeah. Had a good 63-year run. Yeah. That's the entire point of feminism is to be able to choose your role and not be forced <laughs> into a homemaker, but to be able to choose it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, look, I want to be a homemaker now. I want the woman. Fuck, so do I. I'd be a stay-at-home mom. Jesus. I want. You drive me crazy. The ultimate feminist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bring home the bacon. Uh, yeah. No, my, so, da- my dad was always so, my dad was always like the the breadwinner, but he never was like I did all this so I get to sit here and do nothing. Like he was he was the one that would massage my sore muscles and teach me how to like wound care for gymnastics. Right. He was the one that was always like you know telling me how to how to compete and how to do all this stuff and um and yeah he was always a, a very big support. He was never like uh, I'm the leader. I'm the, this is what this is my home and I he was never a male lion. <laughs> he's always been a lone wolf. I don't know. But but always like yeah you know he's but a maybe ma- matriarcal society type th- person. So to be completely sincere, do you feel like sometimes you know what I wish my dad sometimes would have been that lion and no, been like fuck no hold on sorry <laughs> I hate that I'm sorry I'm sorry I just hate that. All right, forget metaphor. the forget the male lion metaphor. Do you sometimes feel like hey I got this. I got this. I'm going to cry later about it. But right now, and I'm not talking about your mom. You wishing he did that? No, I'm just saying, do you sometimes feel in your life like, hey, you know what? I got this. I feel like that all the time. I I say, I got this. And I say, I'm going to cry later. That's my life every day. (laughs) Well, that's a big role switch from going to being an equal peer and having this ageless peerage and equality. No, but that's just my life, like me in general. Yeah, we, we, me and Julia. That's what women do. We had different, um, like, now you're jumping behind a gender. Hold on. (laughs) We had different upbringings. That's what us lionesses do. Don't use my metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Don't appropriate my misogynistic metaphor. Am I going to have to come in and snap some necks? I'm going to murder both of you. I just want to lick my balls underneath the tree. We had very different. Gochella, I know what you're going to say. It's going to be great. We had very different upbringings, but we both arrived at this, um, this this womanhood of like I'm gonna do what I want to do and I'm gonna be this empowered woman and I'm gonna take care of people because I know that I can regardless of like your dad came at you and said you are equal women are great women are better and my dad came at me and like watched me eat and like mm. called me a little gordita wow, and like a little fat so sorry for yeah our audience. wouldn't allow me to like do he wouldn't let me play um baseball with the boys after I was like uh five or six he wanted me to play softball because he didn't want me to get hurt but mm-hmm. women still find their their neutral which is still this very like i'm just gonna fucking do it like there's that saying don't send a man to do a woman's job like <laughs> no matter what kind of masculinity we had in our lives we still find this neutral of like shit has to get done and I know that I can do it, so I'm just mm-hmm. going to fucking do it because no one's going to do it for me, and people are going to judge me regardless of whether I do it or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's so interesting that we had this complete opposite. Yeah. And yet still came to Similar. be... Yeah, and I've got, like, depression and all this other shit, but... <laughs> 
this, these very empowered, like strong women. Mm-hmm. You so know? can I can I close with my theory? Let's close. Sure. Take us out, Tom. Take so, us out, Tom. So my theory is, and recognize as long as it doesn't fucking involve lions. Cheers to that. Holy <laughs> shnikey. <laughs> Tommy likey. <laughs> um, oh, here for it. I'm a wolf. It's the fine. loba. So, so what I'm le- I don't speak so Spanish. what I'm learning, and what I learned today is that regardless of if you grew up in a traditional nuclear family mm-hmm. with a male authority or a masculine energy and a, a mom mm, feminine authority or a matriarchy, matriarchy yeah. or you grew up in a more egalitarian kind mm-hmm. of free for all hippie you Utopia. still you still had <laughs> exactly. to you still had to meaning all women of your generation mm-hmm. still have to Smash those down and create a new form of the patriarchy. But it's not necessarily in 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 Juliet's case, it's not necessarily the patriarchy, Mm -hmm. right? It's more how do I now being a product of my generation and being raised in that environment regardless, how do I define my femininity? Because Do I need to? You had yes. You you definitely do. You have to deal with being uh cella disagrees no you also are breaking down barriers of yourself and your interpersonal skills your yeah. having dreams that are being interpreted which is why we don't think we have to define it you, our, unfortunately, our definition you do. of femininity is fluid yes but you arrived at that place through a lot of blood sweat and tears and a lot of trauma and a lot of pain and now you're getting. I mean, to I did. Do I don't know if Juliet did. Women, look, women have been doing this in different ways. I don't ways, think it's right? necessary. Is they what I'm fought saying. for equal rights. They fought for the vote in 1920. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh. went through women's lib in the 60s. Yes, like it's in not that done. way. There's lots and of that's, blood sweat. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. I'm talking about that women have to define themselves twice. They get the Three definition times, four times, oh, always. They, right. Whereas men, I could hide behind my male lion role and go, hey. I'm a good provider. I built some businesses. I get to have brain fog because I'm fucked up on benzos. I mean, even as white women, we get to plans, have some brain right? fog. We I get to say I get to take off this activism when I go home. But Juliet and I choose not to because we're good people. But <laughs> right. even I, as white women, we get we get that too. Right. But I guess I just want to say for our audience and stuff, like as we're going through, regardless of the industries, gig economy, non-conventional nine-to-five jobs, how we navigate through all that, finding out what our currency is, being able to pick projects that we champion and believe in our causes and, and are worthy of our time, that are going to help amplify our voice, have meaning and impact, and also be fulfilling and keep our souls. All these different things that we discussed today, I feel that women have the extra burden of having to redefine constantly what those things are because there's still ceilings and parameters. Mm-hmm. And guys like me who grew up thinking, wait a minute, my dad, it's not that I just couldn't imagine my dad. I can imagine my dad collapsing and falling apart. He didn't want to walk in the room when my mom died. And I was holding her hand. Does that mean I showed up more to my dad? No. My mom didn't leave until he came in and held her feet and said, it's okay for you to leave. Then she left. Wow. So it's not about like who shows up and when or how. But it, it was just about... Having in my neurotic Jew upbringing, A, B, C, D, mm. the tree is here. If this falls, this catastrophe happens, we have this branch to land on. And that's because the Jews if, have been so persecuted for so long and had to have all these happens, things. happens, this, yeah. th- we have this branch to land on, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, so that's part of the lesson as well. Also to my 
so back to when we heard Cella rant about all these different things, and then you're going, wait a minute, where's the accountability? Where's the self-speak? And it's like, no, I'm still coddling myself. I need... Coddling's to- not a nice word. I don't like that word. Take it back. <laughs> all right. Swathing, uh, no, nurturing, soothing I'm taking, myself. I'm self-care. I'm taking care of myself. Right, but part That's of self-care it. is staying on the healing and growing edge, and at some point, the next step would be like, hey, you know what? Juliet, you're awesome, and you're always up by 8.30, the latest 9. Can we you? already had this conversation. We're right, growing. These are the you know what the first thing my therapist I'm going to sleep said? in until 7 tomorrow. I was talking to my By the therapist. way, she's pointing at me. <laughs> the first thing my therapist said uh, when I brought to her the problem of, um, what's it called again? Uh, not being able to sleep? Do things. Oh, oh motivated? D- depression? <laughs> Not being a yes. the procrastination? <laughs> Two Ty- words. Type C. Sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, it's when you executive dysfunction. Oh, yes. When yeah. I first brought that problem to her, which basically oh. means like you just have a hard time. Frontal lobe stuff. Like 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 actually, Executing. if you're a writer, you're having trouble writing. Yep. If you're Writer's a journalist, block. you're having trouble if journalist. You block. If, if you have a yeah. block. It's it's just you 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 don't want to do things. You don't want to pay the bills. You don't right. want to. It's like a weird care. form of ADHD almost. Yeah. So when I first brought that to her, uh, she gave me a pep talk and like we both cried and it was amazing. But what she told me was just write. Doesn't matter mm-hmm, how mm-hmm, long. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a writer either. It's not what I do for my career. I'm a I'm a videographer. I, I make videos. Maybe I tell stories that way. We don't know. And she's seen one of my pieces that I've written and uh, which I don't write very many. And she was like, just if you do nothing else, if you wake up late, doesn't matter. Just write. Just write more. She didn't even give me write like write so mm-hmm. many pages a day. She right. didn't give me any of that. She just said, just write more. And so after we cried, I was like, okay. And I brought my journal and I was like, my journalist said, my, my uh, therapist says I need to write more. So I did. And the next challenge she gave me a week later was wake up at 10. Just, just wake up at 10. Right. So like baby steps, self-care, very important. Fucking the tiny, smallest, smallest. I loved it. Smallest baby steps. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean that's why, that's why I have a thousand things to do baby because steps. if I can't if I can't create a video and I can't draw and I can't deal with my mom's stuff that day, I can do something else. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's not necessarily writing, which I do love creative flow, flow thought writing. Um, but yeah, just always have something you can do instead. That is that is uh, helpful to you. Right. So I guess I guess the question I would pose to our audience and just for people listening in is like where how do you relate to these different things, you know, old school, old mm-hmm. guard, you grow up, you work hard, you focus, you shut everything else out, you're able to shut everything else out and just get it done. Failure is not an option, your back is against the wall, you throw it all in, all your chips are on the table and you swing for defenses. Um and then now in this generation uh, let's call it Generation Z and Millennials. It's what do we do? There's no 30 year job with a gold watch <laughs> at the end of the fucking line. How do we, yep. you know, find stability, relationships? And, you know, and if you're related to all that, we'd love some feedback. Like and subscribe. Uh, check us out on YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, whatever. And um, we appreciate all the support. We're growing a little bit every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we appreciate steps. you listening. <laughs> yep. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Like and subscribe or else. Mod rats out. <laughs>